Welcome to Purpose Without Limits, the show which strives weekly to empower you to reach your true potential, to help you understand how a simple shift in thinking can make success a reality, both professionally and personally. You'll learn about business etiquette intelligence and why a first impression is so crucial and the real rules of the game to help you outclass your competition. Your host, Dallas Teague Snyder, is founder of Make Your Best Impression, author of the book Professionally Polished, Business Etiquette Savvy for Today's Competitive Market, and co-author of Executive Etiquette Power. For more, visit MakeYourBestImpression.com. The time to become your best self is today. Here's Dallas Teague Snyder. Well, hi, everybody. Uh, it's so great to be with you. And as you know, we love to bring you exciting guests from around the globe. You know, we are in a global society. And when people started telling me that, gosh, when I was in high school, and I'm not going to tell you what year because... You know, we Southern girls, we don't talk about our age. Uh, but the, the point is, is that we really didn't think about that, did we, when we were in the United States? We thought, my goodness, we're so insulated. Why do we need to know that? I remember moving to Czechoslovakia when I was in college and meeting people that spoke five and six languages. And I thought, how awesome is that? But now we see in our uh, global world today that really we can communicate all over the world, can't we, through Skype and other means of technology. We really have that opportunity to build those relationships. And so uh, that leads me to my exciting guest today. You know, it's interesting. You know, I have met people from various parts of the country. But to have someone who really has a dual citizenship that really can bring that uh, you know, bring that perspective, you know, to those of us here, uh, I think it's an amazing thing. You know, when we travel, it's much different than actually experiencing another culture. So I would like to welcome um, to the phone lines, if you will, uh, Emika. And uh, I'm going to let you go ahead, um, Emika, and pronounce your name because one of the things I teach is that our name is the most important name and if you'll do it slowly just so our listeners can know exactly how you would pronounce it should they reach out to you. Thank you yes well first of all it's a pleasure to uh, be on this show so thank you so very much and yes uh, the pronunciation of my name is E. Mecca and the last name is Iwenafu. Iwinifu, Emeka Iwinifu. Yes, ma'am. Well, that is beautiful. Now, is there a specific meaning to that name from your culture, where you're from? Yes, absolutely. In fact, Emeka means God has done wonders. Ah. Yes, indeed. And uh, last name basically means calm down anger. So basically, uh, peace or uh, uh, having a... um, mellow attitude to not being so irate or anger, but just to be calm throughout. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Now, did your parent, were your parents aware of that when they named you? Because what a beautiful blessing to d- bestow upon your child. Um, well, you know, they're both um, Nigerians themselves, and we're from a tribe or a culture called Igbo. Mm-hmm. So basically when naming me that name, they had that to, to mean something. Growing up, so obviously while growing up, I had 
a lot to live for and show. <laughs> well, yeah, you certainly, that's like, <laughs> that's like, you know, anybody who has a, a, a unique name, you know, we are, we are set apart from many others just in teasing and so forth. But definitely yeah. when you have a name like that, that has a, an amazing meaning, it seems to me like they expect greatness from you. They want to cover, they, you know, they want the, they want, you know, um, the heavens to cover you, uh, you know, as you're here and walking out your journey as well. So I think that that's a, uh, that's an amazing thing. Did you ever feel pressure to uh, step out in a big way because of your name? I'm just curious. Um, well, uh, yes, because I was a, basically grew up an only child. I have no brothers or sisters. And so basically my parents had invested everything in me they possibly could and, and for me to be the best I could be mm. um, that they can brag about and um, actually um, be proud of. You know, and it's interesting that you say that because I think there are several people that may have had that same situation, but then, of course, others that did not have that support. When you look at that and you see parents that wanted to pour everything they had into you, do you feel like, you know, as a young person that you really understood that and appreciated that? Or was it sometimes something you felt, um, you know, resentment towards growing up? Does that, if you understand what I'm saying, I think sometimes... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, actually... Well, growing up, I didn't really think anything of it. I thought, really, that's how it was supposed to be. But as I grew up, I eventually had my own identity and of things of what I wanted to do and become that um, in most cases did clash with their beliefs and values and direction they had for me. Mm -hmm. So even though they were well-meaning and wanted the best for me, I had already a set path and certain thinking of what I wanted to do and it was about time for me doing for me than for them because I had been actually sort of living their dreams until I was 21. Aha and that's very interesting because you know many of us get caught in that path you know what society wants us to do what um, you know what our neighbors think you know what other people think of us their pressures their dreams and what would you say was the turning point for you at 21 that allowed you to say you know this is what I'm I'm put here to do mention that because I was actually fired uh, from a federal government job um, while I was uh, doing my undergrad for uh, in accounting. And it was at that time that really the so-called shelter had been removed from up under me to where I knew what struggle was. Mm-hmm. Because up to that point, I was living under my parents' roof and being provided for. But I knew, though, that I didn't no longer wanted to put my life in another person's hands or my future in someone's hands. And so I began to think entrepreneurial for the first time because it was something that wasn't taught in schools, and my parents never really instilled that. It was more go to school, go to get a job, and, you know, you'll be set. Right. And, you know, interesting when we think about, um, about the history of America, you know, they were all entrepreneurs. Yes. yes. <laughs> the country was founded off entrepreneurs right exactly and not maybe not so much as um you know what what can i do to take care of myself you know not that we don't believe you know in god and we don't believe in uh provision in that way but we didn't expect someone else to take care of us and i think that's what there's a whole different topic for another time but what we're looking at is that it's what i call sort of like that 
um, it's that spinning wheel of poverty because you may not be in poverty, but you have a mindset of poverty. Yes. Does that resonate with you? Yes, absolutely. Your your thinking really really has a tremendous outcome on your reality and um, what is surrounded by it, which is a lot of what I I stress a lot in, in my book and from what I experienced personally in my life. Right. That, so yeah. So yeah. well. Well, and, you know, tell us a little bit about that, because now I'm sure our listeners are like, okay, well, my goodness, what did he experience? But what was that? Did you start seeking out training, or what was the next step for you before becoming an author? Well, um, well, first of all, you know, I had actually loved writing since I was 12, and um, it was actually due to my dad. He had me go to the library from 8 to 4 p.m. when he got back from work. Yay, Dad. <laughs> oh, yeah, during the summertime, yeah, because he didn't want me watching any TV. Hmm, interesting. So, <laughs> I did that, and um, I hated reading at that time, but, you know, since this was going to be my life for the summer, I had to pick something. Mm-hmm. And then gradually as I began reading, my imagination took a life of its own to where it, it then started with the pen, and then from there I just loved writing. But And I sort of pursued it till I was 15, 16, really wanted to have this goal of being an author someday. Mm -hmm. But it came to the point that, you know, I had to get really become, quote-unquote, serious with my life and get uh, a career that actually pays the bills, which is why. And so I thought of all the things I probably had, I had some gift with, with numbers, so I chose accounting. And it wasn't really until I was fired that, and um, I began to undergo the struggles that I began to also see challenges and, and people from the other side of the spectrum, if you will, who came from abandoned homes, mm-hmm. broken families, struggle, alcohol, drugs, the father not being around, and me being coming, actually struggling while scrapping metal to survive and doing all kinds of uh, things really to have a roof over my head, that I began to get real negative and blame society, the system, the government for my problems. Oh, wow. So you're the perfect person to speak to this because you fell into that after being blessed so much with abundance. Yes. Because of a trial where many people, they might be born in that. And it's really a choice, isn't it? It's 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 that entrepreneurial spirit, and it's really that... To me, it's that umption, if you will, to be able to be grateful for the small things, you know? Yes. Yes, indeed. Indeed. And I was really down and about and began to do some things I'm not proud of, but it wasn't really until my 26th birthday that I actually received a letter in the mail um, inviting me to listen to a CD set called Your Wishes, Your Command Hmm. by Kevin Trudeau, who's the author of Natural Cures. And so... It was for 300 bucks, and that was really all the money I had in the world. Actually, um, when I scrapped my car that had virtually no engine in it and the $75 I got for my birthday, that totaled to the 300 exactly in order for me to buy the, the course. And I was doing that on faith, praying to God that this was some way to give me a breakthrough. Yes, exactly. You're saying, hey, Lord, this is my faith walk. Now, did you feel part of you? Did you say well, this is crazy, or did you really feel like this is what you needed? Did you have that intuition moment where you said... I had that intuition moment. Something just came upon me with belief and faith through mm-hmm. reading Wow, that this was the perfect thing to do because, quite frankly, I had nothing else. Personally. Yeah, 
Well, and you know, interestingly enough, it's when we have nothing, it's when we have nothing, when everything's been stripped from us, that we look and say, where it's the test of our faith, isn't it? Yes. Because when we have everything, we just say, okay, God, I'm good, I got it, don't yeah. need you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's those type of trials where you become the most humble, yeah. and I believe they're put in there to make you humble, have a better perspective on life. Um, and actually uh, find out what it is you want because there is a better calling that probably you're not seeing with all this abundance <laughs> or things being quote-unquote good. Right. There's a busyness, and until you say, if, if there, there are things stripped from you, who are you really beyond the things, beyond the labels? You know, yes. you know my belief system is, is I'm a Christian, and people will say, what kind of Christian? Well, I believe in Jesus. <laughs> And, you know, and if we focus on Jesus and his teaching, you know, Christ is, was most vulnerable when he, well, let me say this, when he was most vulnerable, he was the strongest. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so it's in that vulnerability, you know, and the, and the lack of, you know, again, he never, he never forced someone to say, follow me. He just said, follow me. And I think it probably goes back to this law of attraction that you mentioned a bit. Tell us a little bit about that for you and how that worked in your life. Well, what well, law of attraction, in my opinion, and, 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 and from having experience and learning it real well, is that like things attract other like things. Mm-hmm. And basically, you're, you, you basically are a product of your thoughts, so mm-hmm. either consciously or subconsciously. And for me, I've learned uh, ever since listening to the auto and reading a number, over 20 books on positive um, development and positive thought, that my attitude has changed over 180. I mean, two and a half years, I was never this way. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, my attitude and thinking changed for the better to where everything in my life, I began to get luckier. And things that appeared maybe as a challenge or a bad thing, really, ended up becoming to my advantage and disadvantage ultimately. And it's really all in your mindset because I learned that there are no situations that are good or bad. They're just situations. Well, that's right. They have no power. Just like, um, just like there's no money is not evil, right? It has, right. it has no good or evil uh, character. It's who is behind that tool. And yeah. so, yeah, exactly. And, you know, we often can think about this for those of us who maybe are afraid of the term law of attraction. That is exactly what sowing and reaping is. You yeah. know, when we are a wounded person, um, you know, when we haven't done that work for inner healing, when we haven't really stepped out and said, you know, how am I responsible? You know, not when pe- you know, not that there. That's why forgiveness is such a powerful, uh, powerful thing. Because we're going to have to do it time and time again, not only forgiving other people, but forgiving ourselves. You know, we're not perfect. And right. so you're right. I know that's, you know, I know even in my own life, um, there was a mental illness situation uh, with my mother. And I found myself in relationships with people that were just emotionally unstable. It was only until I learned to value who I was, you know, who God said I was, that I was able to actually attract someone else that would treat me the way I should be treated. Wow. You know what I mean? 
Yes, exactly. So I totally get what you're saying. And, you know, I think there's a big challenge in our world today. People want to be take certain terms and say, oh, well, they're new age. No, it's the same thing. You know, we have an energy or a vibe. And like you say, that likeness that we have when we're when we're a whole person. We don't need somebody else to fulfill us, you know. We just right. need somebody else to share our life with. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's an amazing journey. So how do you like yourself now? And I know this, I mean this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but not really, because you said for, you know, it's, this has been two and a half years. So how do you see your day looking different now than it did before? Oh, you know, I, I have, I, I come with vigor and excitement and, um, just full of energy and life with appreciation for the day. Um, I'm always optimistic with knowledge that things will get nothing but better for me and greater things happening. And just the knowledge that when I look at my past, how all of that coincided or came together for me to be the person I am now Mm -hmm. in order to reach and teach other people of how to overcome adversity and challenges. Right, and adversity from a place of abundance. Yes. And, you know, and many blessings and protection and, you know, a loving, you know, uh, family. And Mm -hmm. then learning that through your own struggles, because one of the things we can remember, right, is that if we have not been in a trial, one is coming. (laughs) And the Bible actually says we should should, uh, welcome our trials, right? Consider it joy. I don't know about that, but I think it's exactly what you're saying, Mm -hmm. is that on the other side of the trial, we discover by that, you know, that introspection, by that, you know, doing the work, reading the books, seeking out the truths, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely, yes. That's amazing. Yes. So, so, uh, so tell me a little bit about what you're doing now professionally. Tell me, tell me about this new book that you have, Francine's Miracle. And, um, yes. you know, I know that maybe sometimes, you know, I'm a writer as well, but I'm also a, a Christian speaker, author, and media personality. So, you know, that creative nature that we have and wanting to pour into others, you know, sometimes it's not a full-time venture. So where are you in that process right now? Uh, well, um, actually, I'm actually... Um yeah, I, I am a, uh, in a leadership group or almost like a life coach where I actually mentor people and um, um, in the forms of material or CDs on how to improve their life through a network company called uh, um, LIFE called Life, which is leadership, um, um, Living Intentionally for Greatness, uh-huh. or for Excellence, excuse me, mm-hmm. and um, actually helping create better marriages uh, create better families, better children, become better citizens of the United, of America and the world. Right. And just creating, a, a, giving them proper education because I find out that in this society or country we live in, a, 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 so many people are highly trained but poorly educated. And there's a big difference because training basically bypasses the mind or ability for a person to think and digest what is good or bad, while education actually allows the brain to process material and then discover from themselves whether it's good or bad. Well, you so, know, yeah, yeah. In- interestingly, there was something on a TED Talk recently someone sent me, 
And uh, renowned scientists, uh, there's a video called Spirituality and the Brain. Um, and basically what they talk about is regardless of what our belief systems are, that when we focus on something of a higher level, a good quality, peace, um, you know, joy, compassion, um, we actually have a chemical change in the brain. You know, when we are focused on those lower levels that you're talking about and that goes to that education you're talking about in our thinking, mm -hmm. yeah, our brain actually looks differently. Yes. It's okay. amazing. Yes. It's amazing. Yes. And they show that uh, they show that when you are focused in this area and you have this higher level of learning, again, this education piece, right? Mm -hmm. right. Uh, and it's a deeper, it's a, and it's really a, I think... What I'm hearing you say is that, yes, we can go to classes, we can get a degree, but it doesn't teach us how to be a better person. It doesn't teach us how to, man how to manage our life, you know, the best way to, you know, while we're here in our short, what we call between the dash, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, how we make an impact for greater good. Exactly. Yeah. Well, how about that? Okay, so you do now. How do people? Um, how do people contact you? Just through the website? Are you an affiliate with them, or how does yeah, that yeah, work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, they can go to francinesmiracle.com, dot com. F R A N C I N E S Miracle, one word dot com, um, and there's an options page where they can um, email any questions or uh, suggestions or um, um, anything they want to talk about, and um, I will definitely get back with them. Um, very soon. I get a lot of emails, but it's my duty to respond to them as uh, quick as possible. Well, you know what I like to say, Emeka, uh, it's a, there are people, certain people that are assigned to us, right? Right. Yeah, and it's attracting, you know, the people who are finding this information uh, beneficial and they have that nudging to contact you. I understand what you say. It's your responsibility, and yes. it's a beautiful way that you see it that way and not as a, a challenge, you know? Exactly. Yeah, and that's also a, a, a learned thought as well, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about Francine's Miracle. And, you know, you know, I know that you, you know, I'm guessing this book is, you know, your, well, your protagonist is a female, correct? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. How did you choose a female? Well, well, that's a very good question. You know, before I wrote this book, I actually did a little research, and I found out that 80% of all readers are female. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, well, I would, you know, because I'm a lady, I would have to say, huh, I'm not surprised, but. <laughs> right, right. And so I said, well, what better way to attract an audience than write what, what they are? So, <laughs> That's and so I, um, I just um, felt, and what's so amazing with God or, or how this energy works is that when writing this, there really was no challenge at all. Everything just flowed naturally mm -hmm. like water. There was no writer's block or scratching of my head or exhaustion or frustration. Mm -hmm. All I can just say is that when I put my hands on the keyboard, everything just flowed naturally, and I knew when to stop. It, it's just an amazing thing that I can't explain. <laughs> well, that's because you're in, it's, it's sort of like being in the will, you know, you're, you're in the right place. It's the right thing. And so many of us are stuck in busyness and yeah. we can't, you know, listen to that small, still voice, you know? Yeah. 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 I think really it's just being, having that emotional discipline and being calm and not trying to force anything, but let it come to you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think probably with the books, tapes, and 
different attitude and thinking, it became much easier. Well, how about that? So, so how long did it actually take you to write it? Believe it or not, it took me, uh, I started in November, I was done before Christmas, so it took me about six, seven weeks to actually write it. And then, um, then with the editing and uh, um, and then publishing, it took me uh, about a full year. Yeah, and that's uh, that's that's very very reasonable, very reasonable. So this is actually so this is a fictional story. Is that correct? Uh, yes, yes, with with some you know factual elements to it based on research I had done, which I um, include at the at um, at the end mm-hmm. uh, under sources or references. Because in that time, in that era, in 1920s, I do include Andrew Carnegie, Henry Ford, Napoleon Hill, people who existed in that era to make the time very more real. I see, I see. Yeah. And so all your years of, of writing as a, as a child, as a youth, coming together for this book. Now, is there, are there other books you've written, or has this, is this sort of the launch phase? Well, actually, I've written a trilogy series. Okay. Um, actually, all it's called the Miracle Trilogy. Okay. And it's, and it's all based on the pay it forward because Francine is a young Irish immigrant who immigrates to the United migrates to the United States um, during the 1920s. El Capone era, and during that time, her dad's an alcoholic. Her mom's real bitter, and they're poor, and there's tragedy and verbal abuse that ensue. Before, through a twist of fate, she's mentored on the secret by a stranger um, on the proper elements and books to read and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And then she's just given the proper um, request to just share it with someone else less fortunate. And so then that goes to the second story, Mandy's Miracle, during the civil rights movement in the 1960s in Mississippi of a young girl who's stricken with an illness and has five months to live. Wow. Francine mentors her before Mandy then grows up to become a parole officer to mentor Jackie of present day, who was abused, never knew her father, um, alcohol, drugs, before prison. You know, I love this. This is beautiful, the way that you, number one, did your research to find out who reads. You probably also did research to find out that really, um, you know, not that we're all not affected by it, but, you know, women truly hold on to their emotions and their pains. And, um, you know, again, these these elements of things that happen and all over the world, really, we still we still see a lot of women that are treated like property, don't we? Um, yeah. But, you know, the fact that um, you've thought it sounds like you thought about this when you wrote it with the trilogy in mind. Is that correct? No, actually, actually, I started first with Jackie, oh. and then when I wrote the wrote the story of how Mandy tells explains to Jackie how it all started, I had no real intention of writing the other two. But when I read Og Mandingo's book, uh, "The Greatest Miracle in the World" or "Greatest Secret in the World," on the last page, he says, "Do not delay." <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like, you know, God or Spirit talking to me. Say, get this book done. Yeah, jumping and, off the page to you, right? The Rima word, yeah, uh huh. Right, right. And then so that night, I got to work, and then I actually finished both books in under three months. Mm. <laughs> so it was like this idea came, but I was just procrastinating, delayed until I read those three words. <laughs> wow. 
That's amazing. Well, you know what? We just never know who the teacher is going to be in our life, what we're going to read, what we're going to hear. You know, the seeds probably were planted for many, many years in very in various different formats, but it was when you read those words uh-huh. that it just jumped off the page. Yes. Wow. Yes, indeed. indeed. And, and, and think about it. This is stuff we're told all the time. But I think it was that moment in time that it spoke to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I think I think that timing is important, and I think we all have our own time that we, you know, that we have the ahas, right? Right. And for whatever reason, we've got to we've got the blocks that are happening, and I don't mean just as writers, but in our growth. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm just glad that you did. So tell me who is. Uh, obviously, you said 80% of women read, but who do you find that uh, are... Uh, yeah, no, readers. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, readers. Yeah. So who are you yeah. finding right now that uh, that are drawn to these books? Because it sounds like that there are many people who would benefit, but what are you seeing, ne- seeing now as far as demographics of your readership? Well, well, what's amazing is that schools are really... Teachers, educators are really, really drawn to this book. In fact, there's some... Um, uh, two two high schools actually purchased a hundred books apiece for for their students because these are for, like inner city schools, right? Yeah. That really um, could benefit. And then the uh, I've heard parents how they give it to their eleven year old daughter or their child who's ten, yeah, or nine, and how they've read and reread the book because unlike other books like Think and Grow Rich or Magic of Thinking Big, which are all great books. They're usually presenting a format of lecture. Yes, not in story. Exactly, but there's something about stories that people connect with more powerfully than um, just how-to books. Well, do you know what? It's the great parable. And stories, you know, with stories actually put movies in our mind. And so that, you know, that that visionary place that, that is inside of us, you know? And I think that's why when we have things that evoke our emotions, which stories do, because, yes. you know, we can we can see Jackie uh, or Mandy or anybody. We can see ourselves in that situation, perhaps, or someone we yes. know. Yes. Yeah. Then I believe that's exactly I think you're you're exactly right. So what an amazing gift. What an amazing gift. So do you go and speak at high schools or. Um, yeah. 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 yeah um, you know, currently I'm not a public speaker yet, but I have been invited to talk at, yeah, at libraries and um, at schools as well. I'm, I'm starting to get the attraction. In fact, um, I've been on a number of uh, radio programs, and out of that, uh, I've had, uh, well, Jackie right now is currently um, being translated in Japanese and French. Wow. Um, to, to publishers that really enjoyed it, and so they, they wanted it translated um um, in, in their country, so and and I didn't, you know, know these people. They just requested for it. So, you know, just with the short time it's been around, it's really been in an amazing journey and experience. And you know, the the the, you know, there's so much yet to come. But I do know, just with the presence and just the the response and acclaim it has received, it's going to go a very long way and basically be infinite teaching people not only now but the ones not yet born well you know what i think is amazing and and i'd like to encourage you because um 
you know, if if and when you're you're interested in doing this, you know, there are speaking, you know, there are conferences where teachers are, educators are. I really think what's welling up inside of me is that if it's something you're wanting to do, that you know, you could reach out, go to one of these conferences, you know, and you know, have some samplings. It might just be a you know a chapter or two electronically or whatever. That that because I really see a beautiful a beautiful market in this for these young people. You know, they are into reading all this stuff. And again, not that older people wouldn't be, but when you can help folks in in, in their developmental stage, mm-hmm. you know, see past their circumstance. Right. Because they can make better choices. Yes. I mean, I, I, you know, so anyway, I'm just, I'm just, you know, don't ever say you're not a speaker, pub, a professional speaker or public speaker yet, because yes. you are, it just, you just... You know, and I think yeah, that no, that no, I, I agree. I do have uh, th- there is a space in my heart to do that because I believe a lot of youth today um, don't have role models mm-hmm. or they're they're just surrounded by by misguidance and bad advice. Exactly, and what you've done is you've taken you've taken something like you you've mentioned Napoleon Hill and you've taken other other authors and and you put you've put it in story form and you have written something that is appealing. Um, from a literary sense, from a story sense, and something that people can relate to. Right. And I commend you for that. That is fantastic. That is Thanks. that is amazing. So if anybody wants to know more about you, and they should if they hear this interview today, tell me again. Let's let's repeat the website one more time. Um, yeah, it is FrancineMiracle.com without the apostrophe. Okay, yeah, <laughs> and, that, they don't um, like that. Google doesn't like that. <laughs> And um, Jackie'sMiracle.com, uh, J-C-K-I-E-S-Miracle.com. Uh, Mandy'sMiracle.com um, will be up and ready next year because I intend in the summer, between spring and summer, to release that book to complete the trilogy series. But um, through those two websites, they can um, contact me and email me any uh, questions or comments they have. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, uh, Emika, I just cannot tell you. I'm so glad we were able to connect. I know you've been traveling, and uh, it's been a blessing and a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I would certainly, um, s- certainly welcome you back when you when you get your other stuff going on again. But at this time, we just want to say goodbye to our listeners. We thank them for being on the phone today, and um, you know, on the or should I say, on the line today, listening to us wherever they are in the car, on their their iPad, uh, iTunes, whatever. You know, there's so many ways we can connect. We just appreciate. You guys spending your time to listen to us, and hopefully we've encouraged you and planted a seed to help you make better choices today. So with that, until next time, this is Dallas. Have a beautiful and blessed day. Grace and peace to you. You've been listening to Purpose Without Limits with your host, Dallas Teague Snyder. Dallas is founder of Make Your Best Impression, author of the book, Professionally Polished, Business Etiquette Savvy for Today's Competitive Market, and co-author of Executive Etiquette Power. Visit MakeYourBestImpression.com for more information.